the darkness at thy speaking it was done. Welcome to sermons from Zion Lutheran Church of Gwinner, North Dakota. Zion Lutheran Church is committed to the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. A reading from Revelation, the second chapter. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum write, The words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, yet you hold fast my name, and you did not deny my faith, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. You have some there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel, so that they might eat food sacrificed to idols and practice sexual immorality. So also you have some who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Therefore, repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. O Lord, have mercy on us. In the name of Jesus, amen. The city of Pergamum, it was a bustling city, very busy. It had many shrines to many pagan gods. Chief among them was a pagan god named Baal. Yes, the name Baal. And like many other places in the world of that day, the people worshipped the emperor of that time, the emperor of the Roman Empire, as God himself. Jesus, though, as we heard in our reading from Revelation tonight, does not give Pergamum a four-star rating, but calls this place, get this, it calls this place the very throne, yes, the very throne of Satan. But what can be said about the small church in the city of Pergamum. Well, the church had held fast to Jesus' name. They were commended for that. They had not denied the faith. That is right, they did not deny the faith, even though a Christian named Antipas was put to death for his Christian confession and for his refusal to worship a false god. Now, even though they did not deny the faith entirely, there were still problems in this church. All their problems could be summed up like this. There were some, yes, some in the church who thought that they could have it both ways. They thought that they could live in peace and offer sacrifices to false gods and practice sexual immorality and then at the same time still remain true to God and his word. We all know the common phrase. We've heard it before. This common phrase that says this. You can't have your cake and eat it too. This phrase is basically used to express the impossibility of having something both ways. And well, some of the people and some of those members of that church of Pergamum were doing just that. They were having their cake and they were eating it too. 
As previously mentioned, they were trying to live in peace and offer sacrifices to false gods and practice sexual immorality and at the same time call themselves a Christian, one of God and his word. They were living as if falsehood and truth could actually stand side by side. Frankly stated and bluntly stated, they were straddling, yes, they were straddling the fence. They were two-faced. They were speaking out of both sides of their mouths. They were two-timing. They had one foot in a pagan culture, and they had another foot in the church. Or we could say they were drinking the Kool-Aid of the culture and at the same time drinking the wine from the church's chalice. To make things worse, the pastor of the church, he did not try to correct this at all, but he tolerated it. He turned a blind eye to this blatant double dealing. He turned a blind eye to this double standard. He turned a blind eye to those in his church who were straddling the fence speaking out of both sides of their mouth, those who had a foot in culture and those who had a foot in the church. As a result, Jesus calls to account the pastor of the church who tolerated those in the congregation who believed this way, and he calls to account the congregation as well. For the church had accepted and it had believed the lie. He calls them to repentance to turn away from worshiping idols and craving the things of the pagan world. He calls them to repentance for their double standard, for their acceptance and even adoption of the sexual immorality that was all around them. He says this, Repent, lest I come myself and stand in front of you and war against you with the sword of my mouth, just as I did when I stood against Balaam and sent a plague on Israel. We are separated from the church in Pergamum by about 2,000 years. This was a church some 2,000 years that existed before us. However, the spirit and the ways of the Pergamum life live on. They live on in our culture. Indeed, the Christian church in the 21st century still exists in the place where Satan has his throne. And sadly and truthfully, Churches and Christians are easily tempted to double dip. It is easy to get wrapped into into this tolerance and acceptance of what is false, even though deep down we know that what is false actually infects and poisons God's people. It is easy to not sweat the supposed small stuff and to try and make peace between culture and church. Now, we may be tempted to say, that the church in the 21st century is not like the church in Pergamum. We can distance ourselves and say we're not like that church back in that day. And that may work to help us sleep at night a little bit better. However, we need to ask ourselves this. How many Christians think that they can have it both ways? Do we think that we can have it both ways? That is to say, is it believed that a Christian can accept and even participate in the godless things of this world and yet be faithful to the true God and his true word? Ask yourself this. How many people think they can separate what they believe and how they live? At best, my friends, this is spiritual schizophrenia, and at worst, it is blatant, yes, blatant, 
hypocrisy. Regardless, though, it is dangerous, and the reason why it is so dangerous, my friends, one cannot claim the title of Christian and at the same time embrace teachings that attack and undercut the person and the work of Jesus. One cannot confess the doctrine of the sanctity of life and then at the same time advocate for the woman's choice to choose an abortion and abort a precious child. One cannot confess that God is the giver of all great things and then at the same time hold our wallets in a tight fist claiming that all the resources that we have belong to us and only us and nobody else. One cannot confess the importance of the family. They cannot confess the importance of the family while also supporting same-sex marriage, which undercuts the family itself. One cannot work towards the removal of gender distinctions of male and female, and then at the same time celebrate that we are created uniquely by God himself. One cannot uphold the importance of the Bible and then cut the legs out from underneath the Bible by promoting ideas of evolutionary biology. One cannot actively fight against everything Jesus teaches in the Bible and then in the next breath claim to be a follower of Christ. The reason why this is so and the reason why this cannot be done My friends, the blunt truth that we learn from Revelation and the words of Jesus is this, is there is no, I repeat, there is no middle ground. Either we are part of the kingdom of Satan or we are part of the kingdom of God. If we think, I repeat, if we think that we can ride the fence, if we think that we can have it both ways, well, my friends, the blunt truth is that we've actually moved out of the church of the kingdom of God into the church of Satan. James, he says it well in his epistle, and it hurts to hear. He says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, that is, war with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, what does all this mean? It means that you and I need to repent. Yes, you You and I, we all need to repent. It is a clear solution that Jesus gives us in the text from Revelation. He calls us to repent. He calls the church of Pergamum to repent, and he calls us to repent as well. We need repentance. Repentance actually stops all the actions. It acknowledges that there's no such thing as a middle ground. Repentance acknowledges that we cannot have our cake and we cannot eat it too. Repentance stops the lies, it stops false doctrine, it stops the hurt, and it removes all of this nonsense and deception from our life. And then, in faith, we are turned. Yes, we are turned to the one and only Christ and his mercy. And as we consider Jesus in the midst of our mess, in the midst of our mess that we have before us, We see that Jesus came into his creation and he gave his life. Yes, he gave his life that all people would be justified before God. In that moment of the cross, in that moment as he was on that cross suffering for the sins of the entire world, we can say in that moment of the cross, God has no, I repeat, he has no enemies. Jesus 
himself says this, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And because the son dies, because he dies in the place of God's enemies and for their many sins, the father indeed forgives them. But not all have received this gift, though. But not all have received his gift because not everyone is content with what the Lord offers. You see, many will still seek after other treasures. Many have turned aside the gospel. Many still run to the kingdom of darkness. Many want to cozy up to the world and at the same time still try to be buddies with God, which is not an option, but is a cop-out and an insult to the Lord. Either we are sinners who are buried deeply in the wounds of Jesus for the forgiveness of all of our sins, or we are dancing with the devil in the lies of the world. There's no middle ground. Dear friends, what God has ordained, what God has ordained and blessed, man cannot curse and destroy. To those who deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of truth, well, there's no longer a sacrifice for their sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume them. For they have spurned the Son of God, profaned his blood, and outraged the Spirit of grace. However, yes, however, to those who listen to God and his judgment against their sin and renounce the devil and all of his works and all of his ways, to those that beat their breast and confessing this, that I am a poor, miserable sinner in thought, word, and deed, to those who trust in Jesus' forgiveness and cling to Christ and his cross alone, well, to you, Jesus, he gives of the heavenly manna. He gives of the heavenly manna of his own body and blood to you. You who have ears, hear this. Jesus has washed you clean in holy baptism. He gives a white stone, the token of admittance to his feast. And to you who hear his words, he gives a new name. He gives a holy name written on a stony heart. His own name, the only name given under heaven by which men must be saved. You as baptized saints, as precious, beautiful, baptized saints. Get this, you do not belong to the devil. You do not belong to the devil. His throne is not over you. You shall not tremble. You shall not fear the evil foe. He can do nothing to you to harm you. He is judged. He is done. For you belong to another. You belong to light. You belong to the Lord. You belong to Jesus. And just so you know, because of the cross, because of the blessed cross, you have been crucified in relationship to the world. You've been set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others. You've been set free from fitting into their little patterns that they dictate. Yes, there is no, there's no middle ground for you. And the reason why there is no middle ground for you is this, because you are in Christ Jesus. You do not belong to darkness. You do not belong to the evil one, but you belong to Christ Jesus, who has baptized you, claimed you, set you free in his gospel, and placed you in the kingdom of light. Today, tomorrow, and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit Zion Lutheran Church's website at www.zionwinner.org. The Lord bless and keep you.